How do we see hurting people in our world? How do we see people that are broken? Uh, people that are hungry, people that are poor, people that don't have what we have. How do we look at them? What do we feel? What do we think? What do we do with people that are hurting around us? We're looking at parables these days, this fall, uh, in this sermon series. We're looking at a few of Jesus' great stories, and there are many. There are about 70 times in the Gospels, in the four Gospels, that Jesus either tells a story, we call them a parable, or he uses some kind of a symbol or a metaphor to explain something that's deep and important. He illustrates truth from life, spiritual truth. He has a way of connecting the physical world to the spiritual world to convey something important from the heart of God. Sometimes it's about the nature of God. Sometimes it's about the nature of man. It's always about life. Sometimes it's about eternity. This morning, our story is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It is a parable, and it's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16. We're going to read it in a few minutes this morning. Luke records many, many, many parables of Jesus. He records parables about the soil and parables about the kingdom of God. And some of his parables are, are full of emotion and really touch some of the most significant places within the heart of man. This parable that we're going to read in a couple of minutes here, I think, is, is certainly one of, the, one of the most colorful, descriptive parables that Jesus told. I love the parables, and there's things I love about each parable, but the parable we're going to read is, I think, particularly deep because Jesus seems to reach into several areas of who we are as he tells a story. It's a parable with many things in it. There's so many different aspects of this parable that we could focus on. Jesus is talking about wealth in this parable. Jesus is also talking about poverty in this parable. He's talking about health. Those that are healthy physically and those that are not. He speaks of the haves and the have-nots. He speaks of God's justice. And I think one of the most um, important parts of the parable is Jesus speaks to us about regret. That's a major one. And what it's like if you live your whole life and you die, and then you regret how you lived. He's speaking about hard hearts. He also speaks about eternity. And he gives a perspective about this life, but then all of eternity. And he speaks about heaven and hell. Someday, 
it will be too late to go back and change how we live. The parable simply tells us that there will come a day when life will be over and wherever we are in our relationship with God and and our faith and our actions, someday we'll breathe our last and eternity will be sealed for every one of us. And this parable speaks to that. This parable speaks about heaven and hell. And we don't draw directly our theology from this parable, certainly this parable alone, because it is a story. But it certainly informs our understanding of how God sees eternity. And there are aspects of heaven and hell that we read, and whether or not they are all completely literal, how we understand them, or they were figurative in the mind of Jesus. This is Jesus talking. And He wants us to understand some things about heaven and about hell. They are stories to teach deeper truth. Alone, they tell a certain part of it. But when we embrace all of Scripture then we understand more about heaven and hell. So, let's read the parable. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. This this may be a good time for you to pull a Bible out and and read along if you would like to. I'm going to read this story. And again, there's so many elements in it, but this story is really an amazing one that Jesus told. Chapter 16, verse 19 From the Gospel of Luke, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four Gospels. This is in third Gospel. There was a rich man. He was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell From the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in the fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to to them, they will repent. He said to them, 
If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Of all the elements of this story that are unique, this is the only parable or metaphor that Jesus uses, as I said, at least 70 times that he assigns a name to someone in the story. This is the only parable of Jesus that Jesus gives a name. So we might wonder why. Some people think and have concluded that this could be a real story. They believe that somehow Jesus knows about heaven and hell and life and death and people. And as Jesus is telling a story, he's telling a story of reality. That's possible. But I also note something else about Lazarus and the name that Jesus chose. Jesus doesn't call this a parable. Some of the parables Jesus says, I speak to you in parables, and he tells a story. He doesn't do that about this one. That leads some people to think, well, maybe there's part of this story that was real. The details of the story do come straight out of life, and we can relate to the situation of the poor man and Lazarus. So it is possible this is a real story, but it sounds like a parable. And it's so similar to other parables that probably just as many or more people believe that this is completely a story that Jesus told. But I think it's also possible, and even likely, at least in my thinking, that Jesus chose the name Lazarus to convey something deep, and important about the heart of God. Lazarus, the name, very simply, means this. God will help me. It actually comes the transliteration of the Hebrew in the Old Testament of a name that meant God will help us. So when Jesus pulled out this name, whether it's possible it was a real person or someone that Jesus from reality told the story, or whether it is a parable completely, Jesus chose the name Lazarus, meaning God will help us. God will help me. And in this story, we see the heart of God about helping people who are hurting. God cares about hurting people. His heart, His eternity, the role of Jesus all point to a loving God who cares about people. First we have in this story, the character of the rich man. We're told in this story that the rich man is dressed in purple. That would indicate royalty. That would indicate wealth. That would indicate privilege and power and that many things had gone well for that person's life, humanly speaking. We're also told that he was dressed in fine linen. Now it gets a little closer to another situation with a fine linen because purple and fine linen were how the religious leaders generally were dressed in the day. And it may be that Jesus was thinking about them when he told this story, because you just look back 
Four verses before. And listen to what Jesus in another situation said. He said the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So we know that Jesus was kind of in the middle of some conflict with the leaders of the day. In this case, the religious leaders. Maybe Jesus was thinking about them when he created or he told this story of this rich man. We know that this rich man lived in luxury. Incidentally, I did read that there are more paintings from uh, the, the Middle Ages about this parable than any other parable except the Good Samaritan. Interesting. Because of the nature and the color and the aspects of this parable, this is a parable that was very much written about and painted about and preached about throughout certainly the Middle Ages and other times too, but it was a very important parable in church history. Well, we're told that this rich man lived in luxury. We don't know all really what that means, symbolic or what that would have meant in the day. We're also told that he, like everybody else, everybody else in life, died. He had his life. He had his choices. He had his possibilities. He had his luxuries. He had his fine linen. He had his purple. He walked probably every day by a man named Lazarus. The beggar. So you have a rich man on one end and you have Lazarus on the other side of the story. He was a beggar. Probably a professional beggar. He's like other beggars that we read in, the, in both the Old and New Testament that uh, begging was a profession for those that could not work. So they would go to the place if they could or they would be taken to a place if they could uh, every day and they would lay there in the path and ask people for money as they went by to, to take care of their needs. There were a lot of beggars in, in Israel. There were a lot of beggars in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We probably think of this a little bit more negatively than they might have back then. It was a necessary evil. It was a necessary vocation for those that, for example, were crippled, which in the story, Lazarus was. He was a beggar. It says there that he was laid at the gate of the rich man. I just can't imagine every day people knew, Lazarus knew, his family knew, his friends knew that, that if you put him there at the gate of the rich man, maybe the rich man will notice him and, and help him. And maybe all the rich people that come in and out of his house, that they too will have a heart. And, and so that would be a good place for a beggar to be laid. I get the impression that Lazarus was unable to do any more than that. We know that he was covered with sores. Covered with sores. Whatever disease he had or whatever skin conditions, uh, whatever the inactivity of laying in the same place a long time, covered with sores and, and even the dogs licked his wounds. Again, Jesus is a, is a great storyteller. We get the picture. We get the idea. Broken humanity. Broken people. He was hungry. Day after day, probably his begging did get him some things. Maybe his needs were met most days, and 
lot of days there really wasn't enough for food. He's longing for food. He's begging for food. He's, he's hoping that something trickles down from the, the rich man's table. So he too, Lazarus, as did the rich man, and as will each of us, in due time he died. He lived his life, had a rough life, rougher than most. But Lazarus went to, went to heaven. He went what Luke says is Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. Again, Jesus gives a metaphor within the parable. Abraham's bosom. The side of, of Abraham. I love this part of the parable. And of the times I've read this and even preached from it, I don't know that I've ever really focused on this particular aspect here. The side of Abraham. Father Abraham. To all the Jewish people, Abraham represented the, the highest and the best of faith. The best of care. Abraham was a man who was blessed by God. He was so wealthy, it was incredible. Like the rich man. Abraham had a lot of wealth in this life. Like the rich man. But the difference between the two are so big. Because Abraham had a heart that loved to do what's right. And he cared about people that were hurting. So God sent him by way of the angels who carried him to Abraham when he died. It's like God saying in this parable and in this story that now I'm going to make this right. Now I'm going to do what Lazarus needs. Life seemed very long. But Jesus is saying eternity is incredibly longer. Father Abraham. Himself wealthy, but in stark contrast to the rich man. His heart was different. His role, unlike the rich man, was helpful. He was compassionate. He was kind. He was restoring again. Think of the picture of this. Abraham opens his arms as the angels carry Lazarus to him. And he takes him in his arms and he, he holds him. Everything new. Restoration. Erasing the pain. Eternal justice. God will make everything right in eternity. How he will do that. I don't know. This parable brings up questions of what do we remember when we get to heaven or hell? What will we know? What will we won't know? What will we forget? What pain will, how will pain be? I mean, heaven certainly is a place where there will be no more pain, God said. The book of Revelation chapter 21, there will be no more pain in heaven. And somehow in this story, Jesus is kind of capturing that same thought, I believe, when he tells this story and he talks about Abraham's bosom. God will make everything new. Somehow God will make everything right. 
I guess I've always believed that when I look at the pain of life and I look at the pain that people have and things that sometimes you can help people and sometimes there seems to be no help, but God holds all that in His hands about all of eternity. Somehow an infinite loving God knows and sees the pain in our world and He will make it right someday. Abraham's side. And then this parable is clearly about eternity. About eternity. It's about destination. It's about heaven and hell. Although the words that are used in it are not directly the same words that are used in other times when Jesus talks about heaven and hell. Again, this is different. This is a story. Again, whether or not we can construct our theology from this directly, probably not. But it does give us some handles about how Jesus saw eternity. Abraham sighed. Abraham sighed, carried by angels. And just that, that thought alone, I think, is pretty neat. Something that Jesus gives us to try to think about death and what happens to people that are in fellowship with God when they die somehow. Jesus paints a story of angels come and gets them. Maybe that's the way it is. I don't know. It's quite possible. But you know when you take your breath? Well, just like the TV show was 20 years ago. There's a death angel assigned to you. And they take you to heaven. I don't know if that's possible. And I like to think that. I've always thought that was a pretty neat picture anyway. Somebody had a great creative idea. But somehow, uh, Jesus paints the picture that when you take your last breath and you're right with God, that there at that last breath is the angel to take you. That's pretty special. Death for the believer. Death for the one who is living as God calls them to live is really painful for us. Who are left behind. But it's not painful for the person. Who steps into eternity. Jesus reinforces that here. And that's beautiful. You know when we grieve. Somebody that's lost. Somebody that dies that we love. That that knew the Lord. How painful that can be sometimes. Sometimes it's very painful. Sometimes it's not as emotional. But whenever we lose someone. Who knew God. Just think of the angels that carry them. I think that's that's a neat part of the story. The angels who carry people to eternity. It is a place of comfort. Simply it says here that when, uh, when Lazarus got there, he was comforted. He was comforted. We also know from this story of Jesus that there's a great chasm between heaven and hell. We imagine what that's like. We kind of construct our doctrine trying to imagine what that's like. But somehow, whatever Jesus was saying, there's an incredible, impenetrable difference between heaven and hell. 
It's too late. Once you take your last breath to change the destination of heaven or hell in your life. Part of this story just reminds me that Jesus saying there's an urgency to how we live this life. There's an urgency of belief and faith. And there's an urgency in our character. How we treat people. How we see people. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying here. There's a great chasm between heaven and hell. Someday, it will be too late to change our decisions, uh, change our actions. And so this parable is a reminder, as Pastor Kevin did on Wednesday night when he talked about being ready. We need to be ready. We also know that Abraham's side represents eternal peace. Eternity. Good things. Blessed things. Precious things. And then there's hell. The word here in the text is Hades, from which one of the words that we translate hell. I'm not going to take time to talk about all the words that are used to translate to hell in the New Testament, but Hades is probably the most well-known one. What do we know from the parable? We know that hell is a place of torment. It is a place of suffering. We don't know exactly what that's going to mean. You have the lake of fire in the book of Revelation, and you have other aspects that are taught throughout Scripture about eternity and about heaven and hell, but... We know that Jesus is saying in this parable that hell is real. And it's a place of torment. It's also a place of judgment. It's a place of accountability. It's a place where people who have never chosen to respond to God's truth, God's grace, God's forgiveness, they will be held accountable on that day. For those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, they have accepted that Jesus went to hell and bore their sins. And they no longer have to feel afraid of judgment. But for those who have a hard heart, for those who are callous, for those who kind of say, oh yeah, maybe I believe. Hell will be a place of judgment. Hell will be a place of regret. Regret. And this parable, that's one of the main things about this parable, is the regret of the rich man. And Jesus kind of tells that story how, how much this rich man lost and regrets how he lived. Hell is a place of no return. No return. There are no provisions that I know of in Scripture's For a return from hell. It's possible God is far greater and wider. And some theologians have all kinds of theories and possibilities. And that's possible. But I see no direct path in the scripture for anyone to return from hell. The time for repentance in the parable was past. The rich man wanted to. In the parable, the rich man wanted to go back. 
but he couldn't. The rich man had two requests that he asked in light of the fact that he could not go back. He had two requests, neither of which were granted. No was the answer. The first request found in verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in the fire. Wow. Sometimes people say, well, what does the Bible really say about heaven and hell? If you really want to know what Jesus said, this is one of them. He said other things too. But this is what Jesus told in the story. Can you imagine eternity in hell? Hell is real. I wouldn't begin to say I understand everything about it or I might not have details of it right or it might be different than we speculate just like heaven might be. But heaven is real. I am in agony in this fire. How that relates physically or spiritually or emotionally, I'm not sure. The second request was this. Please go tell my brothers so they don't come here. It's very interesting to me. Please go tell my brothers. There was something good in this man. In the parable, it would seem at least, it wasn't that this man was absolutely wicked and horrible. But he still missed it. Would you go back and tell my brothers? I don't want them to come here. Again, story. But the answer is no. This is what I call the hard truth of this parable. I kind of wish that it had a different ending. I kind of wish that (coughs) Abraham could have said, you've lost out, but we'll send somebody to tell your brothers. But that's not the way it was. Instead, he is told the hard truth that some people will choose not to listen. They will choose to be the ground in the parable of the sower that the seed is thrown out, but it fell on hard ground and the birds of the air came and picked it up and ate it. Would you just send back somebody? If if they return from the dead, surely they'll respond. And again, no. No. Even though one from the return, uh, even though one returns from the dead to goes to them, they will not be convinced. What will it take for you to be convinced of heaven and hell? What will it take for you to understand the truth? of the parables of Jesus that are real 
and are given so that you can understand and you can choose faith. The truth is, there are some who will never believe and repent. Jesus seems to be saying that in this story. There are some who will never believe and repent. Someday, they will stand before God. If they're right, if they're wrong, someday every person, whether you are the beggar Lazarus or you are the rich man, you'll stand before God. This is the reality for every soul. Eternity. Eternity. Eternity is important to consider in your heart and your life and your choice of faith. Are you going to take the words of Jesus and believe them? Or are you going to harden your heart? This parable is about kindness. It's about generosity. It's amazing to me that Jesus gave such truth and he didn't even talk about faith and believing. He talked about action and doing. God's justice and God's grace is sometimes, I think, a little bit more full than we try to boil it down to. But the reality is every soul faces the question, do I believe what Jesus said? Would you stand, please? Dear God, I thank You today for the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. I thank You today for the call to every one of us to consider eternity. I thank You today for Your truth about life and about spiritual things and about compassion and kindness. All these things are are truth for us to sense and hear and feel. When we say in our hearts, yes, I will listen to what Jesus says. I pray this morning that there would be a breaking up of the of the hard ground. That there would be a place inside of each one of us that says, okay, God, I'm listening. I ask you to show me what's right. And I turn toward you. Today, I want to put my faith in Jesus that yes, Jesus died to change my heart and my life. Jesus came because He loved me so much. And in this story, we see the love of God. I thank you for your truth and your eternity. I pray if there's anyone that's here this morning and needs to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would pray right now. Ask you to forgive them. Ask you to come into their heart. Ask you to show them what's true and what is right, I pray. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for this story today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here.